This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Gretchen Vogel, intuitive, psychic medium and channel who during her near-death experience painlessly floated through the sky. Gretchen, thank you for joining me today and welcome. It's such an honor. I love the community of the people that you draw together. Thank you. Now, I know you've had one NDE and you've had a second one that's, I would say... NDE-like. So can we start with the, I guess, the earliest one and go from there? Yes. Um, When I was a baby, newborn, very new, I was violently allergic to the formula that my mother fed. And now this is 1951. You know, they didn't think outside the box back then. Um, And They would wrap me up when I was screaming in pain and leave me in a dark room to cry it out. And that was the way she dealt with this. And I vividly remember being out of my body almost as soon as I was in my body. In a golden sphere, I was held within the energy of what I think of as my birth angels or guardian angels. And it formed a sphere and I was out in the sphere. And and so I was going back and forth as a tiny baby a lot. I have no, I have no uh, number of how many times, but because I was in such horrendous pain, I was out of my body a lot. Now, there could be two interpretations of this. You could be like, well, nowadays, you know, a mother would try and feed the baby something else. Um, But it really was a blessing to me because that familiarity with the angelic energy and feeling safe and protected and enclosed has carried all my life with me. And that's why we have to begin with... um, the guardian angels forming a sphere around my consciousness. Did you recount these memories at a certain time in your life later? Like they all came back to you as a download? Well, I, in my practice of being a medium and a channel and a mystic, used the same or experienced, I can't say I used it because I don't think we direct what's happening, but I experienced this same sphere of golden light, which carried me into other realms um, of existence. And so the familiarity with that was what made a lot of my work possible. All right, as I mentioned, you had another near-death experience. Can you tell us about that one? Yes. In 2008, 
I had a benign tumor that ruptured on my kidney. My husband is a funeral director and he was out on call that night and a little voice said to him, I think I better go back and have coffee with Gretchen, you know, before I start my day. And so he came home, which was a really good thing because I had crawled to the bathroom to vomit um, out of bed, but I couldn't, I couldn't get off the floor. I couldn't do anything else. And the pain was bewildering. I was bewildered. I, I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, normally, you know, some information would come to you. Well, you know, drink some water or, you know, whatever. But I was completely engulfed and bewildered by this pain. I couldn't reach the telephone. We had landlines here. Uh, I was upstairs in the bedroom. The cell phones weren't there. And I wasn't too worried about dying, but I didn't know what to do about the pain. <laughs> so my husband came home, called the ambulance. Um, I was so embarrassed because I didn't have a lot of clothes on and I really didn't want <laughs> the local, our ambulance is very local because we're in a small area and it was like, oh man, you know, this is really embarrassing. And all I could scream was help. I was screaming, help, 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 help me, help me, help me over and over and over again. So they carried me down the stairs and put me in the ambulance and there was a older man who leaned right over my face and said, there, there, Missy, it can't be that bad. <laughs> and I think I was so pissed off. I popped out of my body instantly. <laughs> so if, if I could have, I think I would have punched him. Um, so I was up in the sky just floating and the blue color I mean it was a beautiful sky and I could feel the air going through what I thought of would be the outlines of my body and the air was wonderful um, and I was out of pain which a lot of your guests <laughs> emphasize and then I asked can't I just stay here and after that I went blank I, everything went black I have no idea what happened it does take about a half an hour to get to the hospital from our house so I know that that blankness or blackness was about a half an hour and then the next thing I experienced was like coming down a water slide into the very top of my head and it was like a, a whoosh. And I came down into my body, but it was like a it was like a sliding feeling. And I know I entered the top of my head. I felt that. And I opened my eyes and there was this beautiful young nurse, you know, whose face was like this far from mine, looking very worried. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I opened my eyes and said, oh, you're so beautiful. You're such an angel. Well, her name was Angel. 
<laughs> Angie, which is Angel. And, um, you know, I had operations and all that to address the issues. But that was, uh, that was the second experience. Was all your anger at that man gone once you were out of your body? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I can't. I think I might have formed a resentment <laughs> about that. But, um, but you know, I can dissolve that by forgiving him. That's a very good reminder. Thank you very much. <laughs> we are responsible for did, our own resentments. Now, when you were up above your body, did you happen to look down and see it? No, but I knew where the ambulance was. And I was up in the air when the ambulance left our driveway. And I knew when the ambulance got to, you know, one of the bigger roads and really speeded up. And I knew I had a feeling for where the ambulance was before I blanked out or blacked out. Um, and it's, it's ironic to think of blanking or blacking out in your consciousness out of your body, but that's, that's what happened. And I've never asked where where I was, what that was. I, I It's never occurred to me to ask. Hmm. Do you think that possibly you weren't allowed to remember what happened? That's possible. But since I consciously served the world of spirit, as a medium, I've spent my whole life doing that. Um, you know, you'd think that you'd think there'd be some memory of that, but I really don't have a memory of that. When you were sliding down the slide back into your body, did you happen to see anything before you entered your body? It seemed like color came back just about when my head, I had a remembrance as you're asking that. That's what I love. Your questions are so great. The color, there, there was something about color just as I was entering. Um, so the water slide seemed colorful to me. And entering, you know, I was still aware of color. In the beginning, I mentioned that you're a psychic medium. Do you think you got this ability either from your first out-of-body experience or your second one? Well, it's come through in the information that I had planned this lifetime. And so the experiences that I had as a young child of complete rapture when I was out in nature. And I had to ask later, it's like, what was that? You know, it was such bliss. It was such rapture. And this was before I went to school. Um, and the answer many, many decades later was that all of my vehicles were vibrating in the same frequency. And that was what that feeling was of rapture um, and I was an incredibly religious uh, child 
I loved God the way I loved trees and pets and weeds and flowers. Uh, to me, that it's the love it just is what this is all about. Um, and I went to parochial schools all my life. I didn't, I didn't click with the judgment part of it. And the metaphor of um, a man, a male, a priest being in between you and your spiritual experience. I, <laughs> I guess I have a problem with men. <laughs> but uh um and and I didn't really plan on being a psychic. That wasn't in my consciousness at all. I come from an extremely scientific family. You know, one is a doctor of geology, one's a doctor of astrophysics my father was an engineer and here I am this unbelievably crazy sensitive expanded I mean I could just feel everything and I believe that happened because of my baby experience of coming and going so much that I had always experienced myself as my energy field was really big and so I was so uncomfortable <laughs> around conflict and, and strife. And I felt all the emotions in my household and, you know, you can't fix it. You can't really do anything about it. Um, so there's sort of a plus and minus to being extremely sensitive. And I had that right from the get-go. I feel... I've often joked and said, I think I would have been a multiple personality if my angels hadn't held my consciousness together in these experiences. But I can't know that. It's just sort of what I wonder. And then there, there really was uh, challenges. We all have challenges. We, we all suffer here it's innate in the physicality um, and so the the evolution of my work which I you know I had a psychic tell me that I was psychic when I was 20 and I'm going like yeah right mm -hmm. <laughs> I did I had no I had no um no reference points for that so I went to the library and I looked up in the spiritual, <clears throat> it probably wasn't called spirituality, it was probably religion. And I found Taylor Caldwell, who wrote about her own past lives in fictional form, and uh, Jane Roberts, you know, the Seth books. And I devoured those because I thought, wow, you know, I just didn't know anything, not in the story of Gretchen. I didn't know what being a psychic would even mean. Um, I think I would have had a happier childhood if I'd not been so sensitive. Can you tell us about some of your very first psychic experiences and how you understood that you are a psychic? 
Well, I was praying for people who died. That That is very much a Catholic thing. I mean, they should be praying for us, not the other way around. But, um, you know, we, we're still in the tough place. You know, they're doing just fine. But when I was praying, particularly my paternal grandmother, I would pray for her and she seemed to be there with me. And she, I started to sort of see in my imagination, her talking to me and telling me things. And about this same time, the psychic who told me I was psychic called me up and said, I need you to help me find my cat. And I said, well, why do you think I know where your cat is? And she said, oh, you're going to help me. So I asked my paternal grandmother who loved kitties where Kathleen's cat was. And the next, the very next morning, I went to the closet for something and this pillow like jumped into my hands that was a cross stitch of a Siamese cat. I thought, that is really strange. You know, it's like, did my grandmother, I didn't even remember having this pillow. And I think my grandmother might have given it a little nudge. Um, or maybe it wasn't there. Who knows? No, I think it was there. And then I walked outside and I had huge catnip bushes for my own kitties. And I stood, I spaced out, but I'm stroking this catnip bush. And then later that day, Kathleen and I went up to Maine. She really felt that her cat had gotten out at a campground, but she didn't know which campground. So we were up in Maine, we were visiting campgrounds and we got to one of them and I said, oh, what's back here? And I walked down a little path and there was an old barn that had huge catnip bushes all around it. And I said, she's here. So Kathleen left an article of clothing. We went out and bought some cat food and put some cat food in this old barn. It wasn't really connected with anything. It was pretty in shambles. And she went back the next day and her cat was there. So I'm thinking, hmm, maybe something's going on here. And then the first long piece of mediumship I did was with a heartbreaking tragedy of a friend who died in a car accident with two of her children. And it's devastating that level of sorrow and loss. And she, uh, Wendy was her name in the, uh, in one of my books, I call her uh, a different name. And I reached out to her in my mind, just with love, with compassion. And then a whole bunch of things started happening. She was there. I was able in my mental body to hug her. And as soon as I made contact with her, it was like we were falling in time. And I did a past life reading within the mediumship of who she was in an African lifetime. She was a warrior who could not, a woman who could not have children. 
because of her status, because of her, I guess, work in that lifetime. And so her devastation at being separated from these children, because two of her children were still alive. Um, anyway, I thought, wow, this is really weird. And I sent the transcript of that ultimately to her husband, who was also a friend, and he gave it to Wendy's mother. And Wendy's mother said, yes, this feels exactly right to me. And so I began to think, well, maybe something's happening here, but yet still not, still just playing with, well, not playing because these are incredibly tragic circumstances. Oh, and then at one point I read The Course in Miracles, every single word, and that book is like a meditation in itself. And it was after reading The Course in Miracles that things really ramped up, that I was able to ask a question and then travel within this golden sphere to the other levels of reality or experience. I mean, I didn't even have names for these places. Download information. And when I'm in a deep trance, I have no idea what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm my voice, well, I couldn't early on make the connection between what I was seeing and then the speaking voice. So it was some time I was having these experiences, but I couldn't bring them back with me because I couldn't speak. I couldn't make that connection in my mind somehow. Uh, and then I eventually did. How do you go into a trance? The original psychic that told me that I was psychic I asked her for a past life regression. And I still use the same model that she did to regress me, which is to imagine a warm breeze flowing right through my physical body, carrying away any thoughts or concerns, filling my body up with starlight energy, imagining a very small image of myself in the center of my brain, and imagining an open flower that I'm sitting on in the center of my brain. And that's where I say my prayers, dedication, requests, ask my questions. If I'm doing mediumship, I ask for protection on everybody concerned with this opening communication. I step out on a pathway through the third eye and my forehead. These are all visualizations. My angels surround me and I ask to go to a place where I can be with the person that I'm asking to be or with the person or entity archetype or teacher that can answer the question that I have. Hmm. So that's, that's my process. And then it's important to come back along the same path and energy into the center of my mind and, and completely come back into my body. So that's the short version. And I was taught that by the original Kathleen psychic person. I took a look at your YouTube channel and one of your videos is titled, Even Psychics Need Proof. Can you tell me about that? Yes. You know, I think this is from coming from a very scientific family. And believe me, they don't, 
they don't, as my physicist brother says, I don't speak woo-woo. And I said, well, that's okay. I don't speak physics. <laughs> you know, so there was, I was like the ugly duckling in the family, but yet I loved mediumship because it was either going to be true or it was not. Because I always ask for something I cannot know. The proof is in the pudding. You know, for me, I wanted proof. And so the small details that they show me now, I travel to the deceased. I travel to different experience levels to meet with the people that I meet with. Occasionally, somebody will be in the same location with me. But that particular video was about a dog from India. Okay, so I get an email from somebody who wants me to connect with their dog who had just died. And he was very sad. And I said, well, okay, sure, I'll give it a shot, you know, not thinking much of anything was going to happen. And so I opened in meditation and uh, the dog was sitting with me. I mean, very close. I didn't even really leave. So the dog started visualizing to me, communicating where the ashes, where her ashes were, what else was on the altar with her ashes, that her toy box was near that altar, that there was one toy that didn't fit. I couldn't tell what it was. She showed me her laying on a uh, concrete balcony overlooking treetops, which I thought was a very strange detail. She showed me her collar. Yeah, which was kind of unique. Now, mind you, this is a dog from India. I could not, <laughs> I, I couldn't make this stuff up, mm -hmm. right? Um, there was more information the dog relayed about how the mother had gotten sick and the sister came home to take care of her. So it was kind of an elaborate story. And I'm, I typed out the transcript and I sent it to the man in India and he sent me back photographs of what the dog had showed me and it was then that I said okay something is happening because I wondered if I was remote viewing could I be reading the mind of the deceased could I be reading the mind of the living you know I mean I questioned how this worked <laughs> you know um but it really was the dog from India that completely convinced me that my work was at least valid. You know, never mind that by this point, I've been doing this for a couple of decades. It really was the dog that convinced me. Did the dog have a message for the owner? Well, it was basically that the dog forgave him for not being there when the dog died <clears throat> because the mother had let him know that the dog was sick. You know, you might want to come home. And it was the guilt that, you know, my living client had of not going and being with his dog. Mm -hmm. So that really was the emotional drive for him reaching out to me. 
I also noticed on your channel that you have a video titled, What is Love? So mm. I'm going to turn that question to you. How do you define or what is love to you? Well, one of the triggers when I go into trance is once I am fully aware of myself sitting on the flower in the center of my mind in a very small, I don't know whether it's my mental body. I, I don't know. It's like a little Peter Pan version of myself up there. My trigger is to go into trances. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And this is something from my childhood, but it's always stuck with me. So in a meditation with the consciousness of the sun, um, I asked, what is love? <laughs> and the information came that love is the perfect organization of energies, that love is the harmonious orchestration of energies. And I thought that was just really beautiful. Um, when I started to have big questions, I mean, I had questions, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of the guests on your show have, have know that, you know, you get to this level out of our experience, out of our story, and you can access tremendous information. It's so exciting to have a question. I get excited about the questions, you know, almost more than the answers, because I know if there's an emotional component to the question, that something will happen. I have no idea where I'm going to go. I have no idea who's going to talk to me. I have no idea. I assign words to what I receive. So, um, but source consciousness is vast. And source divides itself in an individuation process so that source can see itself. Pure consciousness cannot see itself. And that's what we're doing. That's what existence is. We reflect back to pure consciousness, our experience. And that is how source not knows itself because there isn't an it, <laughs> but we reflect experience back to the vast consciousness that we come from. And that's the simple answer, <laughs> the short answer. One of your books is titled Choices in the Afterlife. Mm -hmm. What are our choices in the afterlife? Mm -hmm. Well, choice is all we're working with here in life. You know, um, people have asked me, why do we suffer? And it's so that we can make choices within that situation. You know, choices are the possibilities that are open to us and choice is the mechanism that we direct our life. So choices really is a big deal. But as we leave our body, there are certain choice points that we experience. Um, when we leave our body, we stay near the earth. We're perfectly capable of making the choice to stay near familiar people, places, and things in order to get our sea legs, in order to orient ourselves, in order to start to process 
being in a new state of awareness. The tunnel experience is after that. You know, at, well, in my book, I describe the levels of experience that we can choose, but somebody could jump right from out of body to ascension, which is moving beyond our solar system into the greater realities. That's what ascension is. But I, in my book, I just take people step by step by step. So after the near earth deceased experience, we can choose experience in healing levels. And the healing levels have gradients of from milky white, comfortable, like being wrapped in a warm blanket to spray paint, sprayed in the light, you know, colorful, um, the healing levels. And we draw that healing energy down. People who practice Reiki, you know, when we pray for somebody, we're often transmitting that healing energy to a situation. So we're not unfamiliar with this yet. And we come down through these levels of experience. After we're healed and we've rested and we want to move on, <clears throat> excuse me, we go to the human species consciousness pool. It looks like a vast city, like the Wizard of Oz, you know, that it is light filled, but the light isn't coming from anywhere. A lot of people call this the Akashic Records. A lot of people have been to the libraries up there, and that's where I download a lot of my questions. Every experience that every human anywhere in universe is stored there, past, present, and future. So when we go and we ask a question there, we can work with archetypes. Um, the forgiveness lecture, because I wanted to understand forgiveness. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot I wanted to know. And that felt like the Christ energy to me when I was there. And sometimes I'll just go to alcoves in the library. That's the visualization I have. Um, and I have to hold that concentration and I can go for hours in it, by concentrating on receiving. And again, I don't really know what happens until I come out of trance and then I listen to the recordings. And But it really, it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's about bringing this information down. And I always say, play with the ideas that I present. You know, my handle is how spirit works as you know, and it's not that I'm telling people how spirit works. It's that I wanted to know how spirit works. <laughs> you know, that was the question, not the answer. Um, but I've enjoyed many experiences up in the human species consciousness pool. Um, I had a lot of questions and your the people that you talk to on your channel have been there. Now, you mentioned earlier that you planned out this life. Mm -hmm. So are some of our choices, you know, returning here or possibly going somewhere else? Well, we, we have 
choices about everything. And it recently came through in the information that I had had a lot of Peruvian Incan lifetimes that were preparing me for this one. That, you know, it's kind of like getting ready to run a race. <laughs> and that bringing through this work, however, is not my ascension. It's not, how can I put it? It didn't earn me ascension because ascension is learned about. It's not earned. It isn't dependent on what we do. I just decided, you know, to make a run for it in this lifetime. And I've been told this isn't my last lifetime on the planet. So it, it, there's no judgment. There's no rules. It's just choices. And we choose our experiences. And really, it's the choices within the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Those are the important choices. How are we able to free ourselves from the past? I have, I had a deceased horse explain to me what karma was. Karma is real. It's patterns in energy that we are carrying in our expanded self, obviously, which includes the aura, the memory body, the mental body, the physical body, the you know, spiritual level of ourselves. These patterns are created through circumstances. All right. So I had the circumstance that my mother let me suffer quite a bit as I was a newly born baby. And we kind of never really connected with each other. And that was the source of, of pain for both of us. So I had a huge wound of not really being mothered the way I thought I should be mothered, right? <laughs> and so the way I thought about the circumstance of my birth and my early years and my childhood either reinforced the original wounding until this deceased horse of mine came and explained karma to me, what it was and how we can work with these patterns to, you know, we created them with our thoughts and feelings out of the circumstances that we experience and we can dissolve them. We can heal them primarily through forgiveness but there's other ways. And I have a whole big series on karma because I think it's very misunderstood. It's real, it's energy, it's energetic. And it's a pathway to healing that I think is, might be pretty accessible for people. What can you tell us about humanity and about experience and about experiencing life as a human? Thanks for asking. <laughs> Humans have volunteered to be the species here that carried the equal ability to create and destroy. We have that within us. So we have the equal ability to um, 
self-destruction is also a, a big part of that. It, all the way, you know, from the micro to the macro of war. As, what do I want to go with this? Opposites are the engine to the universe. Light, dark, you know, heat, cold, gravity, anti, my brother could tell me, the physicist could tell me a lot more about this. But there's always opposites in order to drive all that is. So here we are as a species that is carrying the law of opposites within us. And we can choose either to learn and increase knowledge here by striving for excellence is what I've been told or by wasting our time in life. And again, that sounds like judgment and there is no judgment, but we always have the choice. Where are we going to climb the spiral of knowledge or are we going to um, descend into the lower realms? And every, every experience level is to and through every other experience level. So, I know that a lot of people don't believe that there are lower experiences, but when you're caught up in an addiction, that's a lower level of experience than um, somebody who is cultivating happiness. Um, and it's all about choices. It's all about choices. Do you feel that everything is energy? Yeah, I feel everything is energy. When a lot of um, other people have shared that they have seen the world around them as if it's made out of starlight. And um, I think that's how we see our world as energy. So when I knew that I could ask questions, I thought, who do I want to talk to? Who do I want to talk to? Okay. Uh, Buckminster Fuller. I really wanted to chat with him and I've, I have some information that came through with him as a representation. So am I literally with Bucky Fuller? Um, I trust that I am, you know, Beryl Markham, Socrates, Keith Herring. I had an eclectic group that I really wanted to, to talk to. But something else has evolved in my work that I'd like to mention because some people may not understand what's happening when it happens to them. And what it is is that our deceased loved ones can actually use our eyes and our ears to experience, to see this sensual. Uh, you know, it's it's not complete, but it started happening to happening to me, and I'm going, oh, this is kind of weird. When it's happening, it's like your vision is like super, super, super um, acute. Your hearing is incredibly acute, and I'm okay stepping aside and letting someone use my body in order to 
be with a loved one. This is a little bit of what I'm doing in mediumship now. Um, it feels odd. It feels oddly intimate with the living person, but it's possible for us to host the conscious, you know, ness of somebody else in our body and allow that to happen. Is what you're doing kind of like in the movie Ghost? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I haven't memorized Ghost. <laughs> well, at one point in the movie, and I think it's towards the end, the, the medium let the deceased character yeah. you know, talk to his girlfriend through her body. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's do, exactly it. Do the deceased come and ask you before they use your body? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't happen without permission. And, and as a medium, permission is a big thing. You don't. Um, like I see uh, the deceased pop in every now and then, and we'll be like sitting on the couch or leaning on the fridge cars. They like to pop in when I'm driving. And even if I see them and talk to them, I still do not approach their living family. I, 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 just, I just really feel that that is a breach of trust. You know, um, so yeah, even, even my experience with the deceased has changed over the years. I've had long sessions and it was very odd. I'm so glad another friend of mine was with me where the husband, and these were two very, very close friends. And it, he wanted to feel his wife's face. He wanted to feel her hand. So here's my hand feeling, you know, her hair. And I had to like, not think about it that way because it was, it was so intimate. I had to stay stepped back from what was occurring. So that was kind of one of the more recent um, things that's been going on. When you see these people, the, I mean, the mm -hmm. deceased people, mm -hmm. do you see them like as if you're seeing a ghost, kind of like a transparent person? I, I know they're there. I know. It's more... Um, I'll give you a little story. I went to a wedding with my husband and I didn't really know the people that we were going to the wedding for, but you know, I was his plus one. <laughs> and so there was a man there that I was very, you know, his energy. It was like, really, wow, he's got great energy. I, I didn't, even we looked at each other, but that was it. I didn't even go talk to him. I just sort of read his energy. Well, he died two days after the wedding. And when my husband got the call, you know, Mark, Mark died last night. It was, um, he had sleep apnea and he must have asphyxiated during his sleep. I mean, it was very sudden and, you know, so that morning, after I talked to my, our house is kind of big and rambly. And I went out to the living room and I perceived 
that Mark was sitting on our couch. And it's it's a perception. It isn't really, uh, I'm not seeing with, I'm seeing with my mind's eye. I'm not seeing with my eyes. And I said, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> hi, um, glad you're here. Um, you can stay as long as you want. Why would you visit here? And he said, I feel safe here. And I said, well, you're welcome to stay as long as possible. And then I go back into my husband's office and I said, do you know Marcus here? And he said, yeah, I saw him. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I never advertised my mediumship. I think I was on a chat board up there somewhere and the deceased were steering this, my, my mediumship. It, when, when a client would approach me and, and say, oh, I saw something about you or I read something about you, you know, it, it's really the deceased loved one who is who was steering them to me but I really don't have the energy anymore to do a lot of private readings I do work locally and that's pretty much what I do now because there are a lot of good mediums out there there really are after watching this podcast people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions are you open to that oh sure sure um my Professional email is Gretchen, G-R-E-T-C-H-E-N-V, for Vogel, at HowSpiritWorks.com. But you know, the first question that I ever asked at the City of Light was about good and evil. And I got a, instead of getting a lecture on good, I got a lecture on happiness, that happiness is the highest form of energy that we can experience here in the bundles, you know, the way we're bundled here, that happiness is the goal. And I was like, wow. Um, and this, this is kind of what I would want to leave with people is create happiness within yourself. You know, there's that great song by um, I think it's Farrell Williams, Happy. If you just put that song on and dance once a day, you know, it's a spiritual practice to pursue happiness and what happiness feels like. And a lot of us, and myself included, had a lot of trauma to work through, had a lot of karma <laughs> to work through through my own misconceptions, but I'm happy now. And this is, this is the harmonious orchestration of energy happens when we're happy and it's kind of the highest place we can reach. So that's kind of what I'd wanna leave people with. Do something for yourself every day. You know, I love the beginning of the Buddhist prayer. May all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. You know, speak it out loud. Think about happiness. You know, go for walks, pet your dog. You know, dogs are happy. <laughs> Animals are happy. Happiness is important. And that's kind of the summation of all my work 
I think, is that we can achieve happiness here. And it's, it's a wonderful state to be in. It's a very spiritual state to be in. I mentioned your book earlier, Choices in the Afterlife. Mm-hmm. Do we find that on Amazon or your website? Uh, it is available through Amazon. I prefer people get it through my website, but I've recently done an audio version, which is revised. And that we give the first four chapters out free. And then the other, I don't know, however many, we ask a nominal fee um, for those and the links never expire. You can share them. You can do whatever you want to with them. And uh, I've written a book on horses, a book on gardening and a book on the afterlife. So that, that pretty much describes me. <laughs> what is your website address? It's howspiritworks.com. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Oh, absolutely. Um, there are things that we cannot know, and that's in the design because it keeps us striving. It keeps us wanting to do our best. You know, it's called the mystery, but there always has to be something left unsaid, something left unknown, so that we can reach and expand ourselves. I know I've worked with um, what is commonly referred to as ETs and they they have to put on this appearance of that won't scare me. <laughs> and But the proof is always in the pudding, you know? So there's more, you know, there's just more to our experience than the story that we have this time. And I just encourage people to keep exploring. And your podcast is a great place to explore, I have to say. It's great work. You mentioned ETs. And before we go, what kind of contact have you had with them? When I've asked a question and I'm surrounded in this sphere and I go to different energy levels, I know I'm going beyond our solar system, which is not super comfortable. It is a, um, it's funny, it's, it's so black and yet so not a void. <laughs> I think one of your other guests described it. And it almost has a sound that's, that's sort of metallic, that's sound but not sound. And you go through that experience and I always ask for a scene, a place, or a platform. And the ETs, I'm like, I can't deal with you looking like that. <laughs> so they like take a form that doesn't scare me. Sometimes it's a rock, a beautiful rock that is projected to me. Um, it's not something that I pursue. It really isn't. I know they're here to help. You know, I know they're around us. I've been told that a lot of the ETs that communicate with us are actually what we would think of as deceased. <laughs> you know, 
And that's how they can be uh, there in spirit, uh, in their of their own experience around us. And I thought that's really strange. I'm not sure I understand that. You know, so <laughs> Gretchen, thank you again for joining us, and I wish you the best. Thank you so much. I just encourage everybody to play with ideas, to explore, just just explore there, and be happy. That's a great message.